0: and thanks for listening to the Mount Sinai Health Partners podcast. I'm Rob Fields and the Senior Vice President and Chief Medical Officer for Population Health here at Mount Sinai and I have Dr. Jonathan Rip here with me. He's uh, the Chief Wellness Officer and Associate Dean for... Wellbeing and Resilience. Right. Yeah. Um, you got multiple titles here. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's kind of a mouthful. <laughs> um,
0: I, Jonathan, I mean, I, I mean, I'm curious uh, about uh, your journey to the space but one of the... the big things I'm uh, biggest things I'm curious about is it seems like a pretty big commitment on Sinai's part to put to dedicate this on a resource. You're associate dean of the medical school. Um, and and so as such have a sounds like a pretty big responsibility. It seems like a big commitment. Are there other institutions that are have someone mm-hmm. like you? Okay.
1: Yeah, there are. Um, and uh, I think it is a big commitment and and uh, you know an, an appropriate commitment. Yeah. Um, you know, so I guess there's a couple questions in there. How did I get from yeah, there to yeah, here yeah. and also who, who else is doing it and yeah. you know, sort of how that, that movement started. Yeah. Um, why don't I start sort of telling you how I got from there to here sure. and then I can give you a picture of the landscape yeah. uh, of where things are at. Um, so I, um, I'm in the Department of Medicine. Um, I'm, I'm a practicing internist. I, I work in our uh, house call medicine program seeing, seeing homebound patients right. in, the, in the city uh, doing home-based primary care and palliative care. Uh, I came to Mount Sinai into that position just about 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, At that time, as a new um, uh, junior faculty, I kind of was thinking about, you know, where did I want to go with my career and sort of what would be my career interest and, you know, research interest. And um, at that time, kind of started looking at the literature, and I always had sort of an interest in kind of humanism in medicine, idealism right. in medicine, um, and there was a very small literature on burnout in resident physicians. Uh, it was just starting at that time to be really rigorously studied, um, and so I thought this might be an interesting thing to, to look at, and there was not a lot of discussion, um, you know, within within the our hospital, you know, nationally, it just wasn't a big big thing and uh, but sort of slowly over time I started to do uh, form sort of collaborations with other centers and looking at the issues in first in in internal medicine residents and then um, and then you know there was sort of this momentum that that was building I think I think it's built the momentum is built nationally because um, in part the literature has really grown so Mm -hmm. that it's hard to it's hard to, you know, ignore it anymore. And there's studies showing that, you know, depression rates are correlated with burnout. um, There's also, you know, I think um, there's concerns about really tragic events like suicides that really highlight this issue. Although, you know, I think... Burnout is very distinct from from mental health health, diagnosis. yeah. But but nonetheless, it's it's things like that which raise concern. And and so a few years ago, I I became an associate dean, uh, just for like residents and fellows, working in the Office of Graduate Medical Education. Um, and uh and then you know what often happens is if you highlight a problem with one constituency, the other constituency starts saying, well, what about me? What about me? Sure. Yeah, and so you know I think. For a variety of reasons, um, it, it just became clear that the time was right, and and um, you know I think our dean, Dean Charney, is sort of uh, first of all his his area of expertise is resilience, it's Resiliency, sure, uh, yeah, and so um, you know this was something that he you know he understood, um, and and also kind of recognizing where we are with it he knew that that uh, he, he has seen that this this is the direction things are going so Mount Sinai being a leader in so many things you know he he wanted us to be a leader in this area as well and that's what led to my current position um where I'm a senior associate dean for for well-being and resilience um and that kind of speaks to uh the the you know expanse of the role um yeah. it is pretty expansive it's huge. um yeah and so you know all the things that go into what leads one to feel well in their, Mm -hmm. in their profession and, and in their, you know, you know, their work life and, and, um, and their non-work life. Um, and then of course, you know, what, what are the individual factors that make one resilient Mm -hmm. or or not? So that's kind of how I got from there to here. Um, you know, I, I have been very active nationally. It's, it's, uh, and in part because, um, you know, I, Um, I wanted to, I was studying the problem for a while, and at a certain point I felt like I wanted to do something more than just study it, so that's when I kind of started to take on a a role more nationally. Um, and have been involved in a, in a number of groups, and so I, ha- I think I have a sense in terms of what the landscape looks like as it relates to positions like mine. Um, sort of the lexicon of the day is chief wellness officer. Um, yeah. So someone who's dedicated to taking this on uh, for uh, you know yeah. a hospital, a health system. Um, you know when when I. Took my position about eight months ago. I think there were a ha- really a handful. Uh, even in that time, there's been there's been a few more names and several more that right. are um, that are sort of several more um, health systems that are looking to hire right. someone in this position. So, right. I I my personal take on this is that we're we are at the beginning of what's going to be a pretty large uh, um, movement where mm-hmm. um, you know probably a decade from now. Uh, if you don't have a chief wellness officer, it's going to be kind of curious as to why you, why don't. you don't. Yeah. So sure. I, I do. I do think we're seeing that yeah. um, nationally.
0: So, uh, so many questions here. So if um, you know, presumably, uh, part of the push is uh, obviously looking at workforce issues mm-hmm. as well, right? So yeah. we know that we're going to have a pretty significant physician shortage, mm-hmm. especially in in particular areas, primary care, and a few others. Um, And looking ahead at that shortage and then the new workforce that's coming in and the rate of burnout and Mm -hmm. how that actually our uh, our workforce may uh, shortage may be compounded Mm -hmm. by the burnout issue. Do you think that's a people are looking that far ahead or is it a more short term concern that that started this push? Uh,
1: No, I mean, I think that concern is is real. I mean, there's the concern about. You know, workforce independent of whether it's a burnt-out workforce or not, yeah, and then sure. there's the concern about how this element, you know, how well-being contributes to that, mm-hmm. which I think is real. I mean, there's um, there's a pretty good literature out there that shows that job burnout, which can be measured, uh, and is often the it's the term that's often used because it's it's the term associated with the instruments that we can measure it, not because it's the best term. Mm-hmm. Um, there, some people feel like you use the term burnout. It means the problem is yours as the individual right. you burnt yeah. out. Yeah. Um, that's not how I think about it. I think about it as sort of... There's large, it's big drivers yeah. in the system that are yeah. that are affecting well-being. But nonetheless, there, when you measure it and you show that there's burnout, you, you see that it's associate it's associated with turnover, um, and you know I, when you kind of run the numbers, the the number of physicians leaving the the workforce each year due to burnout in some studies is like losing one or two medical school classes a year so here we are graduating yeah right. and now we're losing right. um you know that that's obviously people leave the profession for a variety of reasons sure. that, that's attributable to burnout as it can yeah. be measured so it's a real issue um i i you know i don't know short term long term i think yeah. it just it just it's part of the equation yeah it's part of the equation yeah. and and you know, is a relevant concern. You know, there's a lot of reasons there's the moral imperative to address course, this, right? Yeah. Just, you know, and in and, and of itself. Yeah. yeah. Um that we have a duty to you yeah. know take to, care of cons- our people. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh and then there's there's very real kind of consequences of running a health system where right. if you're you know if 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 you want to run the most, you know, optimal health system, right. then you want your you know your uh your, your workforce to be well. Yeah, so. absolutely.
0: Presumably you know, we we all go into this role in this profession uh, with the best of intentions. And, and, and in most cases, I think a lot of idealism of what we want it to be. And so, uh, you know, presumably we come into it uh, with a, a great deal of hope and, and, and love for at least the concept. And, and obviously, something changes. And I'm curious as to your thoughts of Gosh, do, are we are we set up for failure from the beginning of our training? Uh, does it happen sometime later? Mm-hmm. It, it, how does that progress? Yeah. Do you think?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. Uh, there is that kind of somewhat, you know, depressing aspect of, you know, you have these, you have this very idealistic group uh, yeah. at the start of, of medical school and then somehow it just gets, you know, sapped out of them. And that, <laughs> that's, you know, it's, 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 it's like a rite of passage almost. Yeah. It feels like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think, uh, I, I think that happens a lot and mm-hmm. is, but is not um, a foregone conclusion. Okay. Um, but I, I, you know, my, my take on it at the present time, and this relates to sort of my approach to it, and in fact, some of the things that you're doing um, is that uh, it, it's almost uh, it's not so much the work hours or demands because I think you know every medical student enters medical school knowing that they're going to work hard and they're probably pretty a pretty pretty resilient bunch to start with. They're probably yeah, a group that's sure. that's used to working hard. So I don't think it's it's that suddenly those work demands have been ratcheted up and it pushes you over the threshold. I don't I don't think that's what's going on. I mean the 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 work demands are are a component of all this, because yeah, sure. let's face it, we work pretty hard. Um, but I think a lot of this is, you know, you come into it with this idea that you're going to help people. And then uh, to some extent, you feel like um, the the system, and I don't mean Mount Sinai, I mean the health system, the health system in, sure. in the U.S., um, is kind of blocking you from doing that. It's sort of, uh, you know, it's as opposed to enabling you to do your best work, it's hindering you from doing your best mm. work. And so that leads to, I, I think a lot of cynicism, um, and dissatisfaction and that sort of, you know, sapping of, of idealism that we speak of. So yeah. for me, it's the approach, uh, that I want to take is figuring out how we can enable you to get your, you know, do your best work. And, and that's where, you know, in a, in a, in a, uh, healthcare environment where the finances are really challenging uh, all, all across the board, uh, I think that's where the hope is, that, you know, by focusing in on um, enabling people to, to do their best work, mm-hmm. um, you you have there's a dual benefit, there's a win-win where, mm-hmm. you know, you can actually improve the efficiency of your health system and do so in a way that increases the meaning people derive yeah, from their work. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, how much of a it- do you think, as a, because of all these forces you mentioned, finances which are real, the effect of electronic health records, the effect of the stuff that we do in pop health, honestly, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, all these external forces that, um, I, I, my sense from speaking with physicians and, and just in my own practice. There's a sense of a lack of control over one's destiny. Do you mm-hmm. feel like that sometimes mm-hmm. is a is an underlying driver? Like these things Absolutely. are happening to you, and yeah. you have no sense of control.
1: Yeah, and that you know, in some regards, relates to sort of the, this idea of of um, you know not being enabled to do your best work. That yeah, that right. you, you don't have. Con- if you had control, then then maybe you could you know move things in a way that yeah. that you know enable you. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, you know, and, and I think there's, um, there's a couple ways you could look at it. So on the one hand, um, you know, we as a group need to advocate, uh, you know, we need to push back when we're told, you know, that we're going to hold you to these, addition, you know, a dozen additional metrics that we, you know, be above and beyond what we already are, are measuring yeah. you on. Um, and you know I, I'm I'm somewhat heartened by um, hearing some of the conversations that are happening at you know at Medicare you know at CMS yeah. where um, they actually there seem to be some people that understand that the the regulatory uh, requirements around documentation yeah. may not you know may, may not yeah may not help you know and and yeah. uh, maybe maybe contributing to this problem yeah. Of, yeah, yeah. of burnout so there's that aspect of it which is you know if if groups like that are not are not making changes, then inevitably we're going to have some loss of control. So, yeah. uh, on the one hand, advocating for for you know regulations that make sense, that's hard. If you're a busy clinician, it's you know it's hard to also be an advocate. Um, but I, I do think we can also try to create systems that um, that you know enable us to to work within. With, so, so to, you know, even though we may have lost some control, to kind of take it back a little bit by mm-hmm. um, creating a, creating systems that that um, that allow you to to do to work within those confines. Yeah,
0: I, I would imagine, and that's part of you know, in, in the design of your of your role. It sounds like mm-hmm. I, I bet that's what you're looking at, right? And trying yeah. to figure out how to implement these systems. Um, can we talk about maybe a couple of things you're working on sure. to try to help start that journey? Or? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, yeah, so uh, you know we we sort of have a um, we have a model uh, that we a model of well being that mm-hmm. we've kind of my team has sort of worked on. It's still a little bit of a work in progress, but yeah. within that. Um, you know, because well-being is so complex and there's so many factors that influence it um, from work demands to efficiency of practice to the control you experience to all the personal aspects, what's the culture like and, Mm -hmm. you know, your social supports and and that sort of thing. Um, We we too are taking, you know, because there's so many drivers, we want to address a lot of drivers and also prioritize based on where, you know, what's likely to have the greatest impact. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I wouldn't want to say that we're gonna focus entirely on, um, on on sort of providing you as an individual with skills to withstand stressors um, because then we're not we're not getting at Being the stress like right, right sure. yeah so I think the the for me it's those um, what we were talking about before it's those big kind of system level efficiency of practice. Initiatives that are likely to have the greatest potential impact. So, um, you know, I'm I'm not an IT person, but just in the last eight months since taking this job, I've sat and joined a lot, sat through and have joined a lot of our IT epic um, work teams, um, really to be the the to try to be a change agent. So, um, if the goal is to fix these large system level. Efforts, or, or I should say, the system level drivers, mm-hmm. and there's efforts and initiatives underway to address those. I I can't be the one that's also, you know, the the person that's running the right. epic fix and the operational fix. It's, right. It's too, you know, it's too, too big. big. Um. Yeah. So I need to be the I need to be the change agent. I need to be the the uh, the, the voice in that. I need to insert myself and and, and you know. Um, uh, sort of work with leadership to to uh, you know to to be inserted so that you know there 's buy in and and you know sort of an understanding of the role I can play uh, and then once involved in that process, be the voice that says okay well um, let 's think about how what what these four possibility uh, of these four possibilities for fixing the electronic health record, um, what's likely to have the greatest impact on the everyday clinician, um, you know, who's who's burdened by mm-hmm. documentation requirements. So, um, you know, our model... Is, has these big buckets of you know efficiency of practice, which I think is where the greatest potential impact. So I've been working a lot with our Epic optimization team um, to to think about ways in which we can provide supports and unload some of that documentation burden. There's a lot of that underway mm-hmm. um, from uh, the opportunities with speech to text software. So yep. you know the way you speak into your into your phone and yep. it dictates uh, using much better software than that to dictate straight into the electronic health yeah. record. And um, ultimately, when it comes to the electronic health record i think it's it's about trying to cut minutes yeah. Out of the day right so right. if we can if we can make that work more effectively, we can you know and cut thirty forty five minutes of time out uh, that you would have spent just doing things inefficiently right. that that's going to have downstream impact right. um, it 's going to lead to better efficiency practice and better well being at the same time um, we can 't ignore all these other factors such as you know workplace culture, mm-hmm. so you know working with the also that's a that's a huge you know that's a, that's a huge um, uh, driver. right? And it's not one thing, and it's not one thing, right? right. So, um, you know, I think for me, it's it's about promoting a culture in which well being is valued, and so just by virtue of my getting up in front of people and talking with you and others, mm-hmm. that that fills that role somewhat. Um, also, training our leaders, and I, what I mean, like you know, sort of our practice level leaders to to understand how their role as a leader has impact on the well-being of the people that that work with them um so so there's you know cultural aspects um there's large sort of efforts underway across the health system Mm -hmm. to promote a culture that's that you know uh is not just you know good for the patient but good for the for the Mm -hmm. clinician the provider the employee um and then also Providing some of those personal level tools for those who want it, so you know, and that's I, I want to be sensitive about that because um, it's important that you know that the the average employee doesn't come away thinking that that I'm actually th- saying it's up to you to get yourself well, but on right. the other hand, there are various tools uh there's mindfulness there's there's reflection there's positive psychology uh which for people who want to engage in those um and it really is for you know it doesn't work really for people that are uninterested in it but of course if you're someone who wants to build a skill it actually is likely to help you so i want to make that that's that kind of stuff available which which we have the last piece of the puzzle things that we're working on are when when all else kind of fails and and you're real, you know if you become someone who's in crisis um to making sure make sure that our mental health resources are robust enough yep. to care for our own and um uh what i found is that there actually are quite a lot of resources that exist um which i actually personally didn't know about mm-hmm. all of and and now do and so now it's my goal to make sure that uh, now that I know, I I, th- I think pretty much what I what exists across the house system that I can share that. Right. We have a website where we can where all that information kind of is you know it's like a clearinghouse for that. Right. Um, and we've also identified areas to work on with regards to providing mental health resources for sure. our, you know, our trainees, our students, our our, our employees, faculty. So uh, working on all that. Awesome.
0: Yeah, it yeah. sounds like a lot.
1: Yeah, it's a lot.
0: Um, in. In our last few minutes here, um, specifically, you know, we're Sinai Health Partners as a mm-hmm. the main pop health uh, is, you know, is, uh, agent of change, I guess, within mm-hmm. the the system. You know, I, I've I have lots of concerns about how we approach pop health um, mm-hmm. as a, as an additional burden, just coming from my own experience as a as a family doc, but also leading networks in in uh, a few different areas across the country and hearing. Um, I mean, hearing the frontline providers and how they Mm -hmm. view us often initially. And um, so uh, I have an ideal um, sense of my mind that in a fully realized model that what we are trying to build actually can improve provider burnout, meaning that, gosh, you know, we know that the population that needs us is increasing. The number of us that are providing the care is decreasing. There is a mismatch there that is leads to pressure, uh, that alone on top of all the other stuff. Um, and so in uh if we change the finances from, you know, having to generate widgets all the time, Mm -hmm. uh, could we get to a state using team-based approaches and, and, um, you know, just other partners in healthcare to manage populations to move away from that widget model and mm-hmm. um, you know that sort of hamster wheel approach, and to something that feels like you're like you pointed out earlier, you're doing your your best work. Yeah. Um. It may not look the same as it did in 1950 or 60 or 80, but 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 that you feel that that sense of um. Uh, of satisfaction, I, I'm aware that while that, that is an ideal state, if all mm-hmm. the finances and incentives align, the reality is that in this messy middle, a lot of the work that we ask providers to do is seen as a bolt on mm-hmm. to on top of a very right. busy schedule. I'm I'm curious if um, you know your from your point of view and and probably one that's even experienced some of the pushes yep. that Pop Health <laughs> yep. has has pushed. Um, you know, what can we do better? Um, you know, and, and I think the other folks listening to this that are both frontline providers, but also folks on our team, and then across the country that, um, that, you know, are interested in pop health, yeah. you know, lessons both from your system leadership role, but also just as a provider, yeah. I'd be curious about your reflections. on that.
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I can provide reflections from both perspectives, which I think are a little bit, Different, because um, mm-hmm. I too have my sort of idealized vision of of you know really the promise of team based care and yeah. and there's clearly overlap and alignment here as it relates to um, you know providing high quality population health absolutely uh, healthcare and and um, and then you know a, a workforce that is that is well in providing mm-hmm. that um, so you know from my personal perspective you know I've been I've been you know I think I've been here from a time where there was very little attention to this sort of thing to a time now where there's a lot of attention. And, you know, I agree that it can sometimes feel like, oh, these are the people that are just asking me to pay attention to, to, you know, six more things, right. uh, you know, in, in the day. Yeah. 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 And so, um, and, you know, I think just like, uh, just like the electronic health record, you know, sort of the, 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 uh, the, the kind of the, the needs um, haven't, you know, we haven't caught up, you know, in terms of mm-hmm. how, how to uh, do this, um, how to do it right. So I, I just like I think there's a great promise with regards to the electronic health record. You know, there's these really, really interesting kind of models that that sort of do mock-ups with AI and sort mm-hmm. of the idea you walk into a room, you, the patient, talk with the doctor. Um, the doctor doesn't type anything, mm-hmm. uh, and at the end of that visit, you know, there's there's orders that have been done, and there's there's a note that's been written, and the doctor hasn't typed a thing because it's all been kind of you know uh, dictated and yeah. and and done through through technology. So I think there's a lot of promise there, and I think yeah. it's just we we're not at that state yet, obviously. And likewise, when it comes to um, you know. taking care of of populations and all the various uh, metrics, um, I I think uh, it it probably does require, just like if you're going to invest in some kind of efficiency of practice measure, it requires a little bit of a leap of faith to kind of blow up the existing system and try something... New and novel and then and then measuring before and after and seeing how it's worked. I do think, you know, it's the promise of team-based care. Um, you, yeah. you kind of alluded to it. I don't even know if you realized it, but um, that, you know, we do have to the, – the, those of us who practice in the time before team-based care need to let go a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, their, their doctors complain a lot about how everything kind of ends up on yeah. on their yeah. desk so to speak uh, they're unwilling to let
0: it go <laughs> yeah but but
1: maybe you know you, you also uh, there is this and getting to that control thing again yeah. you know yeah, it's yeah. like this sense that, that you want to have yeah. control over all of that and probably you can let go of medications getting refilled and labs being ordered you know and letters being written and referrals being made and someone else can do that for you while you can focus on sort yeah. of the communication with patients and the higher level clinical decision making. So yeah. I think, uh, you know, the promise of team-based care probably combined, you know, so new workflows yeah. and, and um, you know, combined with some of the, quite frankly some of these technological advances around the electronic health record i think that's where the real bang for for your buck literally you know and and also from the standpoint of of well-being exists Uh, i think that's the reason i'm i'm here talking with you um is that i i see that um i I think we should be measuring well-being you know um as as sort of novel, uh, initiatives go into place. Um, but yeah, at the end of all this, um, you know, my, and getting back, I guess, to my personal take on this, um, you know, every time I get, uh, I get a little, one of those sheets that tells me, you know, is your, is, did your patient get a colonoscopy or a mammogram? <laughs> you know, there's like, my heart sinks just a little bit yeah. as, you know, that's yeah. one more thing, um, that I, that I need to pay attention to. And look, they need, they need these things. Um, yeah. I'd like to think that, uh, there's a system that could be set up where, sure. um, that doesn't get layered, layered on me. I'm sure yeah. that's, I'm sure that's the kind of stuff you think about all the time. Absolutely. Um, I but totally yeah, agree with it. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and, and I, I think it's perfectly reasonable to think that we can, that we can get there. We can get there.
0: Well, I appreciate your time. Um, and, uh, and it sounds like if someone wanted to pay attention to what Sinai was doing around this, they can go to the website.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Which, uh, if, <laughs> if I had prepared, uh, uh I, I would have been able to, to rattle off a, a link, okay. I um, can but maybe post it, it could be yeah, connected yeah. to the podcast. Absolutely.
0: And, I'll post it on the text of the podcast description. Yeah. Uh, sorry to catch off guard right there. No, it's fine.
1: It's just, it's just live for like two weeks. So, okay.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you again for your time and for what you're doing, and I hope to continue working with you. Great. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you have any other ideas for future podcasts, please email me at robert.fields at mountsinai.org. Thanks a lot.